we really need in our life is the grace and truth of Jesus. We need them both together equally. And what I love about Jesus is he actually demonstrates to us that he is full of grace and truth. And we can actually see this demonstrated in a real life story of a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. And I feel, I feel like we can, um, we're, we're very much like this woman because we too have also sinned. We have done wrong. And it's so, it's so significant because how Jesus responds to this woman in one of the lowest moments of her life is actually how Jesus responds to us in our own life, no matter how low down we go. And so this morning, we're going to be reading from John chapter 8. And so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn with me there. And we're going to read from, first of all, from verse 1 to 6. It says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in their midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery, in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So this woman was caught doing something that was actually punishable by death. That's like, that's a bad thing to be caught out by. Like you wouldn't want to be in that position right then and there. And I want to ask you, have you ever been caught doing something that wasn't right before? And this week I, was, um, I came across this picture. So if you guys can put it on the screen. Um, who, yeah, has anyone witnessed that before, maybe with their child who you walk into the kitchen, they've got chocolate all over their face, all over their clothes, in their hands, and they just, they know they've been caught, and they know they've done something wrong, or maybe even that was you when you were a child, like you, that was, you were the one who would steal the chocolate, and when I was younger, um, I, I knew I wasn't allowed to get food from the fridge or the pantry, without asking first. And sometimes I wasn't allowed to have food. And so I'd, I'd go in when, like, I'd make sure no one was looking, no one was around, sneak in, you go, like, go in the fridge, get the chocolate, and like, you put it under your shirt, and you run, I would run back to my room, sit in the corner, or I'd go under the kitchen table and hide and eat this food that I took. And the thing is, you know it's wrong. Like, this, like when, when something's wrong, you know, because you try and hide, right? And there's nothing worse than being caught out for something you knew wasn't right, but you did it anyway because you thought no one would know. And it's in these moments, something just doesn't sit right on the inside of us. It's, it's this feeling of guilt, and it tells us 
this is not right. This is not right. Have you felt that before? Guilt is heavy and you feel this weight upon your shoulders. And in one sense, guilt can be a good thing because it tells us that it's our conscience telling us that this isn't actually good. But guilt causes us to do one of two things. It'll either cause us to stop what we're doing or it drives us to continue what we're doing but in darkness where we hide it from other people. And we can try and hide things in our life, but we can't hide from God. God sees it all. And I think the first thing we can take from this scripture is that whatever is done behind closed doors, whatever is done in secret, whatever is done even within the privacy of our own minds, can't be hidden from God. And whatever is done in darkness will always be brought to the light. And the thing is, even before this woman was actually caught in adultery, before she was caught by people, God still knew. And what was, when what was done in darkness was actually brought to the light, Jesus wasn't even surprised. He wasn't like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. But it says he didn't even say a word. And when they said, when the people said to Jesus, what do you say we do to her? He, he didn't say anything, but he just stoops down to the ground and with his finger writes in the dirt as if he didn't even hear. And from first appearances, it looks like Jesus is put in a conflicting situation where he has to pick between either grace or truth. Because either he chooses truth by fulfilling what the law says and actually allowing her to pay for the penalty of her sin. Because the truth is she, she did sin. She did commit adultery. But in doing that, he'd be denying grace. Or if he chooses to give grace to the woman, then he will be denying the law, which was the truth of God. And so in this situation, it seems like there's this tension between grace and truth. Grace and truth. What will Jesus choose if he is fully, completely full of truth and equally, completely full of grace? How can he show one without compromising the other? Let's continue on verse 7. It says, so when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Wow. He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone first. Now, this is incredible what Jesus does here. Because the people who are publicly humiliating her and shaming her and saying she should be punished for her sin... Jesus puts it back on them. He says, if you have not sinned, then you have the right to throw the first stone. Therefore, if you have sinned, you have no right to throw any stone. And how how often do we throw stones at the people around us? Stones of condemnation, stones of shame, of guilt, without first looking at ourselves. 
and seeing that we're actually in the same boat. We're in the same boat. And in verse 8 to 9, we'll continue. And it says, And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in their midst. So in this moment, the people who were ready to throw stones realized that they were also guilty and that they deserved to be stoned. Maybe they weren't all caught out like this woman was, but it says they were convicted by their conscience. Their conscience told them, I've done wrong too. And in fact, we are all in the same boat because we have all sinned before God. And so we have no right to throw stones. But the amazing thing was, is that day there was one there who was without sin. And that was Jesus himself. And Jesus was the only one without sin. Therefore, he was the only one with the right to throw stones. But no stone left his hand. He didn't even pick up a stone. It says his finger was in the dirt as he was writing. And we don't know what he was writing then and there. But the fact that it says that the people heard him and they were convicted by their conscience, even though he didn't speak a word. It gives us evidence that he may well have been writing down all of their sins one by one. Just as one by one, they walked away. And as he was revealing their sin, he was revealing the truth of God. The standard that we have fallen short of. He was full of truth. But in the very same moment... He was full of grace. Do you remember the picture that the Hebrew language gives us of grace? It was of one stooping down to the ground. Twice it says in that passage, Jesus stooped down to the ground. Jesus went from his position of standing and he stoops down to the ground where the woman was. This is Jesus, the King of kings, the one true living God, the only one without sin and with the right to throw that first stone. But he stoops down and he shows grace. And no matter how far down you go, Jesus but his grace is willing to calm down and meet you where you are at. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus left heaven to come to earth as a baby to meet us here. In verse 10 to 12, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. 
So as Pastor Ian said the other week, truth reveals that we have sinned, but it's grace that gives us another chance. And here, Jesus actually saved her from the shame and the condemnation for what she had done by forgiving her of her sin. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. And even though, even though he actually could have, but he literally saved her life. He saved her life. He was her saviour. And it's interesting because at that moment she was saved from her sin. The woman recognises Jesus as Lord. She said, no one, Lord. No one, Lord. And Jesus says to her, go and sin no more. Jesus was both her Lord and her Saviour. Grace and truth. And grace and truth, they don't contradict each other. But it's actually the grace of of God that empowers us to live by the truth of God. I'm going to say that again. It is the grace of God that actually empowers us to live by the truth of God. In Romans 6:14 it says for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. The law was going to give the woman the penalty of death. The law shows what we have done wrong before God. And the law shows our need for a saviour. But it gives us no power to actually change. It only condemns us and brings guilt upon us. And while the truth is that, yes, we have sinned, the good news is that when we receive Jesus as our saviour, We are no longer under the condemnation of the law, but we are under grace. In Romans 8 verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Jesus didn't come to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And when we are in Christ, in Jesus, there is no more condemnation. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. We are free from that completely, completely free from that. But Jesus also says, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Sin only destroys our lives. It only destroys us and the people around us. But in Jesus, sin is no longer our master. It doesn't have any power in our lives anymore. It doesn't lead us. But the leader in our life is now Jesus. Like it says, the one in Christ doesn't walk by the flesh but the one in Christ walks by the Spirit. And so if you're walking by the flesh, then sin has power over your life. But if you're walking by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the power of sin is completely nullified. 
So when Jesus actually says, go and sin no more, that can actually be a reality in your life. When Jesus saved the woman by His grace and said, go and sin no more, she had a choice then. She was either going to go and continue in her sin or she was going to turn from her sin and go and sin no more. Many of us are willing to receive the grace from Jesus, but few of us will allow His grace to transform our lives so that we can actually then go and live by God's truth. If you are truly living under the grace of God, you will not be living contrary to God's truth. If you are walking by the flesh, that's going to look very different to if you're walking by the Spirit. And when I was younger, I played table tennis. That was something I, it was like a sport I did, and I practiced it regularly. It was something I did repetitively, all the different actions. There'll be this one, then there's this one, and I'd practice the serving, all of that stuff. And so what I practiced when I went to the competitions, it actually came out naturally. I didn't have to think about it really hard of what I was going to do, but it was like a reflex reaction, a reflex reaction, my natural response. And what we practice in our lives is what our reflex reaction will be. If we're walking by the flesh, that will be our reflex reaction in our lives. If we're walking by the Spirit, that's what our reflex reaction will be in our lives. And I want to ask you today, are you walking by the flesh? Or are you walking under the grace of God by the Spirit? Are you walking by the flesh or by the Spirit? And sometimes we feel like we've overcome sin. We're like, yes, it's dead. I'm done with that. It's not in my life anymore. But it still seems to spring up at the most unexpected times. And it's that one thing you just can't seem to get past. It's that one thing you just wish you could change and you know it's not right. It puts that feeling of guilt upon you. It drives you to the darkness rather than to the light. And it's this cycle keep falling back into. I want to share a story of a little girl who, she was in bed and one night she fell out of bed. She fell on the floor, hurt herself, she was crying and the mum rushes in, scoops her up, puts her back into bed, tucks her in and the mum said, why did you fall out of bed? And the daughter replied, I think I just stayed too close to where I got in. I think I stayed too close to where I got in. Maybe that's our problem. We stay too close to where we got in. You know, if I'm on the edge here, how easy is it for me just to take a step down from right on the edge. But if I walk this way, 
that's getting further and further and further away. If this is our old life in Christ down here, if I'm right here, how close is that? But if I walk by the Spirit, walk away from that, walk into who Christ has called me to be, who He has created me to be, the new creation that I am, And many of us are in Christ. We have received the grace of God by putting our faith in Him. But we can't just stay where we got in. We stay on the edge and never actually go further. And that old life without Jesus is so close that we can fall back into those old reflex reactions that we used to have those old sinful habits that only hurt us and hurt those around us. Galatians 5 verse 16 to 17 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. So there is a war between our flesh and our spirit. And the desires of the flesh war against the new creation that we are in Christ. It's like tug of war. There's pulling one way, there's pulling the other way. And the flesh tugs us in the complete opposite direction of where the spirit is actually leading us. And if we're in Christ, we will have this battle. We will have this battle because it's not tug of war if only one side is pulling, but we have the Spirit of God leading us in the other direction. So there will be this tension. And that shows us that the Spirit of God actually is in our lives and He is leading us. But what what will you listen to? Who will you follow? God wants to show you that there is a place where you can live in the Spirit and not be subject to the flesh. You have the same flesh, but its power over you is gone. In tug of war, in a game of tug of war, which side wins? It is the side with the most power. The side with the most power wins. And in Jesus, when we receive His grace, our flesh, our old life is actually rendered powerless. The power is gone. But the grace of God is the power of God, enabling us to walk by the Spirit of God in the truth of God. I'm going to say that again. The the grace of God is the power of God enabling us to walk by the Spirit of God in the truth of God. We can actually change our old reflex reactions by being aligned to God's truth. Christ didn't pay a price for you to still be living in the old life. Christ didn't pay a price to set you free from sin so that it could still rule over your life. He set us free from that. You know, and I think the thing is we can't just try and imitate Jesus on our own, in our own strength. 
because that's stepping out from under grace and back under the law. And that's us trying to change on the outside with no inner heart change. That doesn't get us very far at all. But it's actually about Christ coming into our life. Christ in us where He changes our hearts. He renews our minds by the Word of God. And that is how our lives are changed. But first, we must have Jesus in our life. We must first receive Him by putting our faith in Him. It says in Ephesians 2.8, For by the grace of God you have been saved through faith. And not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. I just want everyone just to close your eyes in this place right now. Have you put your faith in Jesus? Will you receive the free gift of grace today? Today, you can actually receive His grace, the grace of God to forgive your sins through putting your faith in Him. Faith is about putting your trust in Jesus. Do you trust Jesus? Do you trust Him that He really did pay the price for your sin on the cross in full? And do you trust Him so much that you're willing to commit your life to Him and let Him lead you? And if that's you today, you can receive Jesus today. Maybe it's the first time you've heard about Jesus or maybe many times before. But if today you are here and you recognize, I want to trust Jesus or I put my faith in Jesus. Or maybe you did before, but you don't anymore. And if that's you, we can pray together and you can actually receive Jesus into your life. You can have a real relationship with God Himself. If that's you right now in this place, I ask you just to raise your hand. Just acknowledge it before God. Also so I know who I'm praying with. If you put your faith in Jesus today, you can just raise your hand. Awesome. We're just going to pray together. So just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. I'm sorry for my sins that I have done against you. I believe you died and rose again. And today I choose to turn to you and place my faith in you. I receive you into my life. Change me from the inside out and help me to follow you. Amen.